Welcome to the Filipino American Woman Project, also known as TIFA Project for short, a podcast show that features stories and life lessons told by American women of Filipino descent. We're your co-hosts, Jen Amos. And I'm Nani Dominguez. And thank you for joining us. If today's conversation resonates with you, text us and let us know at 415-484-8329. And if you want to show us some love, buy us boba at buymeacoffee.com forward slash Jen and Nani. It says coffee, but we love boba. Again, that's www.buymeacoffee.com slash Jen and Nani. Awesome. With that said, thank you all for your love and support. Now let's get into the show. Hi. So thanks everybody for coming to the next portion of our career series. And I guess without further ado, we have Jen Amos and Nani Dominguez here who are the co-hosts of the Filipino American Women Project, which is amazing. If there's anyone on here who hasn't listened to it yet, highly recommend. As a Filipino woman myself, I discovered this almost a year ago in quarantine. And it was so nice to find this like virtual community that Nani and Jen started. There were so many stories that were told and I found myself in so many pieces of these women. And Vanessa and I figured for what better time than Women's History Month to have Jen and Nani talk to us about why they created this, how they do it, all that goes into it. And... I'll stop talking now. I will throw it to Jen and Nani. So without further ado. Oh man. Okay. The pressure. Here we go. Hey everyone. It's so great to be here. Thank you all for taking time out of your Saturday to just hang out with us. I know that we have some listeners on here from our show. So thank you for just coming out to support. I guess I'll start first since I started the show. So a little bit about the Filipino American Women Project. It started back in around December, 2016. And it was at a time where I was kind of starting to transition out of the business I had at the time. And I was trying to look for something. And another backstory to that is at that point in my life, I think I was in my mid twenties. I'm 33 now, mid was that 26, 27 or something. But around that time, I was constantly in and out of the Filipino community. I don't know if some of you can relate, but you put your heart into it and then you get burned and then you have to kind of like, you know, go away and lick your own wounds and you try to go in again. And, you know, it's, it's like this weird abusive relationship that I had with the Filipino community. And I have a whole story about it for another time. I mean, I started off in middle school being bullied by Filipino American women. I did grow up with a very just abusive environment environment in my own family after I lost my dad at 10. So I just had a very, very conflicting relationship with being Filipino. So it was about, I think, late 20s. Yeah, 26, 27, when I said enough, like I'm tired of hating who I am. And I thought that I could find, I guess, some validation or approval through joining other nonprofits or organizations and what have you. And what I had come to realize is that I needed to create something for myself. I don't know like whose quote this is, but I know that Crystal Fabella from Filipina on the Rise mentioned this on our show when she was on. There's a quote that goes, find a hole in the world in the shape of you and fill it. 
And so I realized in order for me to really love who I was, I had to create something that really felt like me. And so that's how the Filipino American Woman Project was born. I remember doing a Google search at the time, December 2016, just looking up Filipino American women. And I'm sure a lot of you would know that if you Google us, there's not a lot of positive things to find, you know, not a lot of positive things at all. And so I took that as a sense of responsibility to be the change that I want to see. And so the Filipino American Women Project or TIFA project for short, we call it, started via Facebook Live because I had a social media marketing agency at the time and Facebook Live was starting to become the rage. Whether you liked it or not, you would get notified whenever someone was on Facebook Live. And so I took that as an opportunity to, you know, capitalize off of that. And then in 2000, I think, when, when was that? 2018? That's when I went on a hiatus because my husband and I moved from San Diego to the East Coast, first Richmond, Virginia, and then now currently we're in Virginia Beach. And I really had to reinvent myself. I was 30, basically starting over. I left my business behind, my friends, my family, my reputation. And I was telling myself this narrative that I was living under my husband's shadow because I primarily had moved out here to work with his business. And as I was trying to figure myself out, I was kind of just working internally with him. So it was in summer 2019. Wow. So many things happened in the summertime. I just realized I met my husband during summertime. Wow. That's so many things happened in the summertime for me. But anyway, I'm just thinking out loud. <laughs> so anyway, I remember in summer 2019, we had moved again. So I mentioned from Richmond, we were there for seven months. And then we moved to Virginia Beach when I started feeling extremely lonely. I mean, I, I had already felt lonely. Like it was already hard enough to try to make friends out here. And then when we moved a second time, I kind of came to this conclusion that the way for me to make friends is through podcasting. And luckily when 2020 hit, I was already prepared for podcasting because I, I was already practicing and stuff and people were you know, at home and what have you. But within that year was when I met Nani. So I started the show, I think summer, fall 2019. And I think it was about six episodes in when Nani heard our podcast. So Nani, I'm going to hand it off to you to you know, share your story and, and how you came onto the show. Yeah, I was going through this kind of weird identity crisis that I still, for some reason, have a hard time like articulating, but it was just a series of destabilizing events that had happened in my life, like losing my job, bad breakup, a lot of drama going on with my family that was kind of breaking us apart. And I kind of just felt like I needed to explore what it meant to be Filipino on my own, because I didn't really grow up in a Filipino community. All I really had was my family, which is huge. I come from a big family and you know, that's really informed how I identify, but I was like, okay, what does this mean, you know, without their guidance and direction? And so I had just done similar searches, like Jen said on Google, just about Filipino American women to see like what's out there about us or what can I connect to, you know, on my own, what connections can I find on my own? And like she said, there's not a lot of positive things that pop up and I just wasn't resonating with, you know, all the like vixen girls in bathing suits that pop up or like mail order bride websites that seem like they're going to give your computer a bunch of viruses. And so I went to Instagram and did a search there. And of course, the podcast page popped up because of the name. And I started listening to the podcast. I think Jen had only put out like three or four episodes at that time. But even just off of that strength, I felt the need to DM her and just say, hey, I do not want to be on this show. Like, <laughs> I don't want to talk about my story, but I want to somehow 
help with the production of it. Like I want to help make this project happen and see what I could contribute. And I had no idea in what context or what that would mean, but she just responded and said, okay, let's jump on a call tomorrow. And we ended up talking for like two or three hours about God knows what, (laughs) like, you know, just a bunch of personal stuff. And it felt kind of like a therapy session to me. And she was instantly kind of like my ate from that moment. And so she had ended the call with, why don't you just come on and co-host with me? And I was like, oh, okay, that's easy. I can talk to other people about their stories. I just don't want to share mine. And I think I had said in the first episode, like, I don't have any life lessons to give. I'm the one that needs all the life lessons. And so in a way that was just such a rewarding experience or opportunity for me to get to have and participate in. So yeah, anyway, that's how I came along. And here we are almost 100 episodes later, three seasons in, I have learned a lot. It's been really therapeutic for me. It's reframed a lot of how I think, not just about like the world and the community that I participate in, but also my, you know, individual path and kind of how I've grown as a professional and how I've built skills outside of my kind of nine to five job, which I've always felt like stuck to or glued to because of the security that it comes with, but that doesn't really fulfill me. And, you know, I know it's not what I'm destined to do. So it's just been rewarding in so many ways than, than just one and not to mention, you know, the community that we've built behind it, which is really everything and the engagement that we get from, from you guys. So yeah, I don't know how to put it into words, how grateful I am to have found this project and to have gotten to Jen first. Cause I know there were a lot of people that also reached out to her in the same way, like, Hey, what could you use me for? These are my skills, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, now we have like a team of interns that we work with at the Bluson center from UC Davis who are amazing. But I know that there's just a lot of people that would like to be involved in something like this and sometimes just don't know how to ask. So I feel really grateful to have had that opportunity and, to be here today. That's awesome. So both of you kind of talked about just this like disconnect that you had from the Filipino community. And I guess like a hundred episodes later, how does that feel for you guys now? Ooh, that's a loaded question. This is usually when I hand it off to Nani. Nani, (laughs) (laughs) do you want to go first? Sure, I'll go first. I mean, I think that that disconnect that we all feel, whether we start out with it or whether we have a bad experience in the community that makes us feel disconnected is like, it always comes back to that, oh, I'm not blank enough to fit in here. What I've really learned through the show and through hearing all the stories that the Penais have shared with us so far is that we find commonality in that experience of not feeling something enough or not feeling like we belong or deserve to belong to this community. And that's what binds us together. And it's like the fact that we have never had this open space or like safe container to have these conversations and talk about this kind of stuff. We'd never know that, you know, but having this kind of like virtual living room space where we can have intimate conversations and talk about things that we would typically only talk about in private with like our closest friends or family members or therapists or whatever is really eye-opening for a lot of us. And it makes me feel like, oh yeah, I do belong here. And even if it is, you know, a, a turbulent experience, like we're all 
in this together. We're all literally feeling the same thing. Our pain, our happiness, our collective is like, is one. So we just have to start acting like it. Yeah. To piggyback off of what you said, Nani, which was beautifully said, this is why Nani's my co-host because (laughs) has this way with words. There's a book I've come to love called the upward spiral by Alex Korb. And I feel like I bring it up like all the time now, but it's a book about depression. How do you work on your depression? And a couple of years ago, I was diagnosed with mild depression and, you know, naturally I was in denial of it. And then when they issued antidepressants, I never picked them up. I was all like, no, I'm going to figure out how to work on this depression by myself first. So fortunately I had this book, Upward Spiral, and there's a chapter in there that really, really, really resonated with me about the importance of community and how it's just overall good for your mental health. I mean, especially in a time right now, a lot of us feel disconnected. Even right now, even for myself right now on a personal level, like I've been feeling really disconnected lately. Like even though I've lived in Virginia Beach for about two years now, I've been wanting to desperately, you know, make like Nani knows this and I bring this a lot on our show that like, I just wish I had friends where I could just crash in their house and I can come unannounced, you know, I can just come and raid their fridge or something. You know, it's like, I haven't had something like that since San Diego, which was almost like over three years ago now when I lived there. And it's something that I've been really hungry for. But the beauty of having something like the Tifa project is it holds me accountable to be in community. It holds me accountable to stay connected. And I don't think we could ever eradicate, you know, disconnect. I think it's it's going to naturally come like the way we feel connected or disconnected is going to have its eb- ebbs and flows. But the way to prevent it or to work through it is to be in community. It's like, there was also another phrase I heard somewhere, like we are inherently built for community and connection. And so the thing is though, you know, I think, and, and, you know, coming, I myself coming up from, you know, a a really like a a toxic background with my family, um, you know, unfortunately sometimes community can be abusive. And so I know we have a listener on here, I won't call them out, but you know, they almost see family as a negative connotation because of how they've been treated. And so what I have found in the Tifa project is, you know, community, family connection, it's what you make of it. And it's just like love, like love is not something you're entitled to. It's something you work on. Love is a verb. And so really all of this is just an act of constantly working on building connection intentionally, just like, it's just like, you're not going to shower once and then smell good forever. Right. Like you got to do it consistently. You know, if you want to stay fit, you got to work out consistently. Right. Same thing with community and disconnect. If you don't want to feel disconnected, you have to constantly work at feeling connected. And so even despite how I'm feeling, you know, nowadays, especially in the recent days where it's been hard for me to like, you know, kind of wish so deeply that I had deep, deep connection out here, at least I found a way anyway, through something such as this. So it's a practice. I think really just to answer your question, Caroline, you know, it's like that disconnect I've come to learn is a practice. Like if you don't find it in one place, like if you don't find it in your own family, you learn to find it in friends, you learn to find it in volunteering, you learn to find it in doing, starting a podcast, you know? So anyway, yeah, that's my answer to your question. I love that. And I have like so many follow-up questions (laughs) to that, but no, I, I think the both of you that's definitely what you have created to this community. So I went to school for nursing and I'm 1000% not a nurse. I work in sports media. And I remember going through all of that and just like the process of it and the negativity that came with it. 
I felt like a bad Filipina for abandoning nursing, right? And then mm. you two had a guest on, I think her name is Alyssa, yep. about how she said, no, I'm not doing bedside. I'm not doing nursing. And I was just like, it's not just me. <laughs> it was It was so nice to just hear somebody else say, no, that wasn't for me. And I walked away from it too. And I think the community that you two have built has only helped expand our community even bigger. And I think that's really awesome. And I'd, I'd be curious to hear if there's any other like similar stories you two have heard from your listeners, if you're okay with sharing it. Oh my gosh. There's like a million stories. Yeah. Well, I answered the question last. So Nani. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I was just going to say the same thing that you just said, which is, I think we've had a handful, if not two or three handfuls of people that have come on with stories like that. And it's really, again, the common theme that I find in their stories is this repetition of like trial and error. And it's like, we start out trying to uphold our parents or our grandparents or whoever's expectations of us, our family's expectations of us, or our culture's expectations of us, wherever those influences come from. And we kind of burn ourselves out and run ourselves dry, realizing like, oh, this is not my path. You know, like this is not what I want to do. This is not what makes me happy. And it's because we've been taught that, you know, again, to find security in a job and to find longevity somewhere you can stay and get benefits and a 401k and health insurance and all of that for a long time when it's like, if we were encouraged to, you know, do what Jen has done is start a path of entrepreneurship and, you know, look into kind of look further into our own interests and passions, we could find something that's fulfilling. And it's like, what do you value more? So I think a lot of us just have to learn that the hard way, unfortunately, we, because we've been wired to uphold those expectations again. And it's hard to make that switch of, you know, letting down your family or making them proud versus making yourself proud. Yeah, beautifully said. I think to add upon that, I think about, like friends, exes, <laughs> where they're so close to their family. And it was so important that, you know, I got close to their family. And I, I mentioned this because of course we care about what our family thinks of us because it makes us feel safe. Like we want to feel safe. We want to feel accepted. Yes. And when we step out of that, it's a risk. Like it's a huge risk. Like you almost feel like you're facing death. You know, it's like a lot of us, I think, tend to struggle with like, you know, can I be myself? but at the expense of losing my family, you know, like I'll share with you all, like having the upbringing that I did have, especially after losing my dad, like I felt like I didn't have like a male figure in my life and amongst my relatives to protect me for a lot of things that I had faced growing up. And so I had learned to eventually venture out on my own and I'm proud, like I'm proud of where I'm at today. I'm proud of being a business owner. I'm proud of having this podcast and this community, but you know, one thing that I always admire about like Nani, for example, is she has a huge, I was going to say like big and then a cuss word. She has a huge family in um, <laughs> Oakland, California. And it's like, no matter what, like, you know, you know, by default that you have people you can fall back on where for me, it's like, I have set such healthy boundaries, like at the expense of, you know, kind of wanting to go back to my family. Like there's a pride point for me now to to even want to ask them for help. I think where you're trying to go or what, at least what um, you're saying is making me think of is the fact that we're just raised under this 
like survival mindset of like, you have to do things this way or else, you know, A, B, C, D, E. And Um, oh yes, thank you. Yeah. So it's a, it's a risk. Like, like I'm at a place where I can share with all of you that like, I set really healthy boundaries with my family, but at the expense of having that disconnect, you know, Mm -hmm. so the fear is real, you know, it's, it's real. Like, that's why we try to fit in. And that's why we second guess ourselves when we do try to be independent, when we do try to chase our dreams. Right. Because like I'm telling you firsthand, I do have that disconnect. Now, luckily for me, I have a very good relationship with my immediate family now. And my sister wants to reconnect with old family. And I'm in a really good place in my life where I'm open to doing that. But, you know, that disconnect is very much still there, but I don't have regrets for the risk that I have taken to be able to, what do you call it? To kind of adopt my own family and to build my own community, because hadn't I taken that risk, we all wouldn't be here today. (laughs) You know, we all wouldn't be having this conversation talking about this podcast. I think it's a blessing and a curse, uh, I think at the same time, but I don't have any regrets. I think what we tend to attract on our show, Nani, are orphans. You know, a lot of us feel like orphans. A lot of us feel like black sheep in our family. And we've kind of become that second home for orphans. And I like knowing that. I like knowing that we have sort of this common thread of like, you know, feeling you know, rejected by our family in a sense. I mean, not really rejected, but, you know, I mean, probably like we don't don't, fit in. Yeah. Like we don't fit in and and we can come together. And I think the the ultimate goal though, is to not, you know, I don't want to take you all away from your family and start a cult or something, but more importantly to, (laughs) to be validated that what you did was right for yourself, man, I'm intense today, aren't I? But you know, what you did for yourself is valid. And what we're trying to figure out as a collective is how do we go back to our family and find and coexist? Like, how do we find that balance? Because you can't stray away from family for that long, you know, like we can practice our independence, but you know, obviously like I know a lot of our friends who you know, have kids, they end up going back home because it helps, you know, when you have relatives to watch the kids, for example. But yeah, I think it's just kind of beautiful that while many of us feel like orphans, we at least have a second home to, you know, share and unload, or at least feel, you know, be a part of the conversation by listening to our podcast so that you can take those lessons and, you know, show up to your family or show up in the way that you want to, whether it is with family or with your adopted family. Yeah. And I think that's what's so important about the show and to hear trailblazers like you and like so many of the people that we've had on and share, you know, to share your stories and your perspective, having been on that other side for those of us who are scared to kind of go against the grain and take a step outside on the wild side, because otherwise we don't see anybody, you know, in like mainstream media or out in society that looks like us that is doing these things. All we see is the typical things that our families tell us, be a doctor, be a lawyer, be a nurse, et cetera. So it is important to highlight these stories and just say like, yeah, it is possible. You know, like you have to reframe what you believe is possible for yourself outside of what your parents are telling you or whoever has influenced your upbringing. Yes. Wow. There's so much to unpack to that. <laughs> but that, was, <laughs> that was right. And it, you're right. And that was finding myself in somebody else that you to shed or put in the spotlight and showing it is possible and you're not alone is amazing. And I feel like us, especially as Filipino American women, finding that within yourself is so important, especially for the ones that are trying to figure out how to take that risk, when to take that risk, is it okay to do it? So 
thank you. Yeah, uh, and Caroline, I want to add upon that because I think the reason why it's hard for us to look within ourselves is because we were so conditioned not to, right? Like centuries worth that we're not, we're not, it's not about us. It's about our family. It's about society. It's about that stupid ass Maria Clara archetype, which is so fake, by the way. She does not exist. She's a fictional character, but we live by that. <laughs> Right. We live by that. Yeah. And so we're at a place now where we're coming together to be like that. Do you mind if I cuss? That bitch ain't real. Therefore, <laughs> let's own who we really are pre-colonial times. Right. Anyway, that's I just want to throw that in there. Yeah. Amen. I think so, I'm pretty sure somebody just said a fucking men, Jen. So <laughs> thanks, Rose. So. Thanks, Rose. <laughs> Rose is great, by the way, y'all. OK, we all got to share our Instagrams later and I'll connect because there's like some amazing people in this group right now. Just so you know. OK. Perfect. And that's literally exactly why we're doing this, isn't it? So yes. <laughs> I guess kind of like switching gears as you started to notice that your listener base and your following was starting to get bigger in terms of your podcast and your story. How did you determine where you wanted to take that next? Like you, you definitely connected all of us a lot more with your newsletter, for example, I guess. How did you figure out the next step in forming this community? Hmm. Nani, do you want to share your take or should I go first? I mean, I think what Jen and I have always had like a really casual approach to the show and Mm -hmm. really our mission is very simple, just to share and highlight and amplify Filipino American women's stories and, you know, just expand the representation that's in mainstream media, like I said. And so a lot of the decisions that we've made or the directions that we've taken the show have come from the feedback that we've gotten from our guests, from our listeners, um, you know, what we've seen really resonates with them. The We call them love letters that we get, uh, that people email us, these like novels and novels of, you know, sometimes people don't feel comfortable like I didn't coming on the show to share their story. So they'll do it that way. And it's really through that feedback and that input that we have guided this project and taken it in the direction that it's gone. And, you know, all the little spinoff things that we're doing and collaborations that we've done is really just an ode to the response that we've gotten from you guys. So in that way, I feel like, again, our mission is very simple and it's just to build community and be in community and give you that sense of like security within yourself and here with us. Jen, what do you think? Yeah, no, absolutely. I love that. I just love it. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, when this show primarily started, I had a very almost like generic reason as to why I wanted to start it. I just wanted more stories. I just wanted to hear more stories of people that look like me. You know, that's really what it came down to. I had no idea where it was going to lead. You know, I've been an entrepreneur for the last decade. I have a very much build as you go mentality. I'm kind of like, oh, let's see where the breadcrumbs follow us, you know? And so it's just one thing led to the next. Like what I have come to find, and I hope that you all, if there's anything you all walk away with today, it's to understand that like there's no gatekeepers to podcasting. There's no gatekeepers to you starting a blog, to you, you know, starting up social media, to you like sharing your story. There's no gatekeeper. There's no one holding you back. And I understand that, you know, with colonialism, you know, I know that we have been conditioned to for permission before asking for forgiveness. Like, but you we're at a we're at a time now where 
it's just about failing forward. Like it's just about showing up. Like no one's really stopping you right now. You know, like that's what I've come to learn. And part of why I stayed an entrepreneur all these years, despite like thinking I should get a job is because like no one is stopping me from starting my own business. No one is stopping me from selling. No one's stopping me. And I think that a lot of us, it's important to realize that it's important to acknowledge that we have so much power in our hands today. You know, I have a very much like build as you go approach. And I had a, my original objective was to document more stories. And then as we just like what Nani said, as we started to get more feedback, like the objective started to change. It's like, oh, people seem to like this way of storytelling. Let's go there. Oh, people seem to really resonate with the lessons that people share. Let's go there. You know, when we first started, it was literally just about documenting stories. So I would just interview people about pretty much their life. But then when the lessons started to come in, that really started to resonate with people and more people wanted to share their life stories. And so like what Nani mentioned, it became this snowball effect of like, okay, like this was our original objective. Now we're going to add the life lessons. Now it seems that more people are coming back or more people are reaching out to these guests and wanting to collaborate. So we're like, well, Nani, we should collaborate, you know, with our past guests. And so it really just evolved throughout time. And so the next step really is dependent on collectively what we want. You know, and I think what we want is collaboration. You know, that's really the next phase. And so, you know, you're the first to hear it here. I mean, sort of, I think we've posted this already somewhere, but, you know, part of our approach after episode 100 is to start doing workshops such as this, where we bring on past guests who, which a lot of them are very much trailblazers in their industry to share their expertise and to continue to uplift one another. But all of that, like, if you asked me if I wanted to do that on day one, I'd be like, what are you talking about? Like, I don't like that would scare me. I think that's another thing too. Like part of how Nani reached out to me is that I don't even remember the number of that episode that comes up so often. I should really know this by now, but the episode that I published, I think at the very beginning that goes something like, you don't have to have all your ducks in a row to get started. You don't, you know? And I thought I'd share this with all of you. I heard this a couple of days ago. Someone said something really profound, which I think we all need to hear. It goes something like perfection is a form of procrastination. I think all of us, I think, and not all of us, I'm not pointing out you all directly, but you know, I think that you have to come to a point where you can't just, you can't be perfect. You're not Maria Clara. She's fake. Okay. Let's remember that she's fake. She's not real. She's not perfect. But, you know, just understanding that like you can come as you are, you are more than enough. And if you come as you are, you give other people permission to come as they are. And once we're all together, we can figure out what to do from there. And that's where we're at right now is like, hey, we're all together. We get it. We acknowledge it. We're all broken people. We don't feel like enough of anything. We all like each other, though. So let's figure out what to do from here. Hence why, you know, moving forward, we're going to be putting together these workshops. Um, but yeah, it comes down to just being okay with not being, being okay with being imperfect, being okay with not being enough and showing up anyway. And, and that's really the next step is, you know, Nani and I, it's like, what else can we do to continue showing up as we are? That's amazing. And oh, good. I'm glad that made sense. Yeah, it definitely made sense. So that kind of is leading me into my next question is for the podcast, how has that helped you both personally grow? And I know that when we were, when we were talking last week, Nani, you're talking about how you're kind of diving more into writing and Jen, you love entrepreneurship. Has this helped you find more of a love for that? And now you can go first. <laughs> yeah, no, I think Jen and I were just having this conversation uh, offline with, I believe, Stacy Salinas from the Blue Sun Center at UC Davis again. 
And we were just talking about how Jen had originally went to school for journalism and never really felt like she could call herself a journalist because she didn't go to, you know, down that traditional path of getting hired by like a big conglomerate news and media company and doing it that way. But when you look at what we're actually doing here on the podcast, sharing news, information, stories, reporting stories, basically, that's journalism. And that's what we've kind of redefined that for ourselves. For me, it's with my writing. I've always wanted to be a writer and dive more into my creative side, because like I was telling Caroline offline before we started this session, I've been an executive assistant for my entire career, basically over 10 years. And so I'm just now reaching the point to where I'm realizing like there comes a point in all of my jobs because I've worked in all kinds of different industries for all kinds of different people and companies. And I'm just never satisfied after like a year and a half or two years. I'm like, okay, I'm so over this and I, I just can't do it anymore. And there's always some excuse that I come up with as to what's making me unhappy. But now I'm starting to realize it's me, you know, <laughs> this is just not what I want to be doing. And I keep trying to force it on myself again to have that sense of security that I've been taught to prioritize. But at the end of the day, it's not fulfilling me and it's actually taking a really heavy toll on my mental health. And so working for, you know, the TIFA project, I've been able to develop like this language in order to start my blog and blog about things that are relevant to the community and cultural hot topics and things that I actually enjoy talking about or writing about. I've done, I do the title and the show notes for each episode. I do the newsletter that you guys receive every week. And all of that are things that I enjoy doing and that I take on just naturally because they need to be done for the project. But then when I step back and I'm like, oh, I'm actually building my professional skills through doing this and I'm redefining what it means. I've always been scared to say I'm a writer or to apply for a freelance writing job or a copywriting job or what have you, because I don't have any professional experience doing it. And then again, when I step back and look at, you know, everything that I've done thus far for the show and for my blog, I'm like, oh, Actually, I am. I can say that. So yeah, it's redefining, just like Jen with her journalism, redefining the traditional sense of what that means or definition of what those titles mean and really evolving it to come into the 21st century and even podcasting itself, you know, like some people originally thought that this was just for celebrities or influencers or people with large platforms. And like Jen said, there's literally nothing, there's no barriers to starting a podcast. Anyone can do it. And that's also what we try and highlight here is like, there's so much more possible and available to you than you may think or that you've been taught. And so, yeah, again, that's just another way that this show has really been so like beneficial to me and my life. Yeah. That's all good to know, Nani. I just, I love to know how much the show is like done for you. Cause I was just like, oh, come on the show and let's see what happens. Like I literally, like when we were talking, talking about like Nani's backstory, I literally just told her, I was like, look, just be my co-host and we'll go from there. And then here we are, <laughs> you know, nearly a hundred episodes later and just yeah. how beautiful, how much it's transformed your life. You know, it's, it's inspiring. So, you know, for me, I mean, so many benefits. I mean, first and foremost on a human level, my mental health, you know, I mentioned early on, that how important community is for our mental health. And so podcasting has been my way to do that, especially during the pandemic, you know, and also because, you know, the power of 
you know, really what you're doing when you're telling your story and someone's listening to your story, you're validating people. Like if people hear themselves in your story, they, they feel less alone, you know? And if I share my story and if I receive feedback, it makes me think, oh, like I'm not crazy, <laughs> you know? So it's really powerful on a professional level. I am a professional podcaster. I do get paid to host another show and it's just really been great for business. If anyone is ever just fun tip here, if anyone is ever in business or wants to be in business and you want to study your ideal niche market or your ideal target audience, interview them, <laughs> bring them on the show and say, Hey, so tell me what you do. Tell me what you're into. You know, I have another show an award-winning show to toot my own horn called Holding Down the Fort. And this show is dedicated to career military families. And the thing is, so a little background on me, I was a military child for the first 10 years of my life. I lost my dad while he was on active duty. And so we became a gold star family, which means that you have lost a family member while they were on active duty in the military. And 20 plus years later, I had no intention of helping out the military community again until I met my husband, who's a veteran. The work that we do is primarily focused on our career military families. So being 20 years removed though, trying to help these families, I didn't know anything. I didn't know what their needs were. I didn't know what they're looking for today. So I created a podcast to find out, <laughs> you know, it's a fun tip for y'all. If you're, if you're looking to study your target audiences, interview them. But yeah, I think, you know, on a professional level, it's just been incredible. Also, I think like even outside of like business building, podcasting is just so great to be a better communicator. You know, like I, when I first started, I mean, I still have to say like my ums and ahs and stutters and stuff, but I've definitely gotten better at speaking out loud or thinking out loud, you know, just being able to be candid like this. And so, you know, the theme of this event is about how to cultivate your story. And I feel like I'm at a good place where I'm pretty good at telling my story. And it's not because I went to like any workshop to study how to be a better storyteller. I just kept telling my story, you know, like in every conversation we had on the show or in every opportunity, Nani and I were able to talk, I shared a part of my story. And the more I shared it, like just hearing myself, you know, if you can stand to hear your voice, which eventually you will, I promise if you listen to it enough, it's like, wow, that's my voice. I mean, that was already your voice to begin with. But when you hear it, you're like, whoa, that's my voice. But when you hear your story enough, like through yourself, you start to pick up certain themes and that itself is a form of self-healing, right, Nani? I mean, I, just to be able to like hear yourself tell your story over and over again. And sometimes you come to find that that story you're telling yourself is actually pretty negative. You tell the story of victimhood, you know, and you start to tell yourself, at least for me, I've learned to reframe my past. I've learned to say like, oh, you know, woe is me, a fatherless daughter. You know, no. No, yeah. like my dad gifted me the best thing in the world. You know, he left behind what it's like to provide emotional support and undivided attention to people. And if he didn't leave, I probably would have never appreciated that, you know, and I'm able to do that with every conversation I have, or I try to, at least with every conversation I have, every interview I do, I wouldn't be able to be the podcaster I am hadn't I had that kind of loss and tragedy in my life. Yeah, go ahead, Nani. That's it. I was going to stop there. No, I was just going to add to that is that it really takes being able to see yourself in other people's stories to reframe those like really traumatic things that we live with and that we carry. Because when those things happen, you lose a family member or, you know, whatever is traumatizing you that sticks with you and you just 
it's like a feedback loop that you play over and over and over in your head that you tell yourself this internal story that is just like beating yourself up, you know? And so when you're able to see like, oh, somebody else went through this and this was their experience and this is how they interpreted it and this is how they live with it today. It's like, oh, I don't have to beat myself up about this, you know? I can reframe this and look at it as, you know, a gift or a privilege. And that's truly what healing is. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's just so special that we're able to do that and unpack all that stuff and and heal together, you know, collectively. Community healing. So yeah. important. So I kind yeah, of therapy is expensive. Right. <laughs> right. True. <laughs> so I guess I kind of want to switch it now and throw it to everybody else that's in here. I mean it is a, a workshop, so definitely interactive. So if you have any questions, feel free to use the chat. Come on camera, unmute, ask if there's anybody that wants to ask a question right now. You know, because we can keep talking like, <laughs> let, me, let me get my, I have a, I have a card game called We're Not Really Strangers. I and, love that game. Oh yeah, let me, let, give me one second. <laughs> we ju we oh, just God. got that game too recently and we're going to play it tomorrow. So. Okay. Oh Best game ever. It's Someone so asked the questions before Jen brings out the, the deep. <laughs> <laughs> no, but but in all seriousness, I know I know to the topic of today is the importance of cultivating your story. And I'll just keep talking until we see a question or something, because why not? I, I goes back to that theme that at least the story that I was telling myself back then that you have to ask for permission before asking for forgiveness. And I, you know, I eventually got to a place where I was like, I was like, wow, the only person that really is holding me back at this point in my adult life. <laughs> is myself, <laughs> you know? Yeah. I may have like my mom's voice in my head. Yeah. I may have my family's voice in my head telling me I gained weight, you know, but that's my choice to keep those voices in my head. Right. And it's up to us to acknowledge that and realize that that's a story that maybe, maybe was given to us, but we don't have to own it. And, and it goes back to what we we're saying is reframing it. What do we mean by reframing is, well, it's looking at the silver lining to that story. So, you know, it's kind of like, again, I said, you know, I talk often about the loss of my dad and what it did for me and how I grew up with abandonment issues and issues with men and not trusting men. And my husband's had a great time with that, but being able to refrain it and be like, okay, well, what would my dad's story really mean for me? You know, and then also my relationship with the Filipino community. I mentioned early on um, how I was self-loathing, how, how I was constantly in and out of the community. And then eventually I said enough. And I'm so glad that I went through all those experiences to be able to have a show such as the Tifa Project, to have the engaging community that we have today, where so many of you send us novels, <laughs> novels of things to share, which I love. There's someone in the, in the chat here that I'm not going to call out because she'll probably be embarrassed, but we send audio messages to each other. Like it's amazing. Actually, I owe her an audio message. You know who I'm talking to, who is listening to this. I owe this person <laughs> some audio messages. I've been behind on that. But just that connection, all because, you you know, Nani and I decided to show up to share our story as imperfect as it is. And it's like, you don't have to be perfect to get started. You just have to get started and then you get better. Not perfect. Let's just throw that word out. Perfect and failure. Let's throw those words out and just do it. Right. Just do it. Just show up. Failed anyway. Forward. Yeah. Yeah. So before I pull these cards out, <laughs> we do have one question from my friend, Angela. If you want to come off mute and ask. Hi, Angela. Oh, yeah, I, just, I just saw you two days ago. Hi. <laughs> Hi. Was that two days ago? I thought it was yesterday. But anyway, 
So my question is, you guys kind of started talking about, I mean, I guess it was throughout the whole workshop. It was kind of like, you know, having that expectation of like, oh, you know, your family wants you to be this and that when you grow up, just so you can have that stability. But then you realize that you don't really want that for yourself. How do you kind of get over that guilt and that kind of you know, mm, guilt, putting that self expectation on yourself to say that this is what I want to do. And I, I don't care what anybody else says. How do you get over that? Oh my God. Guilt is my best friend. I am actively in therapy for that actually. So I, I have couples counselor for me and my husband, we don't have problems. We're proactive about our uh, relationship, but, <laughs> but, and I have a therapist, I have a therapist for myself. I hope you guys just enjoy like how transparent I'm sharing my life with you. But um, part of what I realized and and um, so I was, I was in couple, I mean, I'm still in couples counseling with my husband, but it got to a point where I realized I needed to do something extra, like outside of him. And in talking to my therapist, I realized that like, even till this day, despite all the help I've had in the last handful of years to be who I am, I still carry a lot of guilt for a lot of things. Like there's a guilt that I carry that I have not even revealed on the show yet, because that's how guilty I feel about this. And so, you know, Angela, to answer your question, it's like, how do you work through that? Well, someone told me something really powerful back then. And again, it goes back to community to open up to people that you feel safe enough that could understand your guilt you know, to say, wow, like I have that guilt too. It starts with that because if you keep it to yourself, like it eats you up. Right. But the moment you share it with someone that you feel safe with, you feel less alone. You feel, oh, okay. It's not just me going through that. So finding other people who maybe are in that same, you know, season of their life where they want to individuate from their family, but you know, they feel guilty for doing it. There are plenty of people, plenty of guests, Nani, right, on our show who have gone on and said that, like said the guilt that they felt when they started to, you know, pursue their own passion, right? And then obviously therapy is great. You know, you can talk about that in therapy. A, a resource that I really like, I talk about this a lot. It's a free resource. It's not perfect, but if you're looking for, you know, just kind of like if you want to be anonymous on a platform to share how you're really feeling, Seven Cups is a free platform where you can talk to trained listeners who are just there to actively listen to you and validate you. So seven cups is like one of my favorite places where I personally volunteer on and where people just listen to you. And like I said, it's not perfect. It's free. Therefore you get what you pay for. But if you want to know more about that, feel free to reach out to me because I have some really good tips to make the most out of that platform. Anyway, that's a lot. And, and here's another thing too, the way that you work through guilt, and this is what I'm learning for myself because you know I'm not on the other side yet. I'm in it with you in regards to having that guilt is it's like working out. Like you have to constantly work at unpacking that guilt. It's like, if you want to get toned, you can't just say, okay, I'm going to go to the gym once. You know, I think Rena obviously knows this because we had, we had an interview with her. Check her out on tifaproject.com. She has a business and everything. She's great. Look her up. But anyway, what I was trying to say is I'm trying to promote everyone here. I'm trying to multitask as I'm talking. You got to work at unpacking it. It's kind of like how a lot of us are actively working on deconstructing the colonization, even in our own minds when, you know, and so that's what I want to encourage to you is it's something that you have to work at. You have to work at unpacking. It's something that I'm actively working on. And so I'm telling you that, you know, that's the start of it. First of all, having that desire to want to no longer feel guilty, right. And then learning how to unpack that. It's like, if you know what you want, the how-tos actually will come easy, but you want to have that desire of like, I don't want to feel guilty anymore, you know, and I'm going to find a way to figure that out. Um, does that help Angela? Yeah. Okay, cool. I hope it did. <laughs> yeah, it does. Yeah. I, you know, it's just like 
kind of nice to see like how other people are kind of working through it because yeah. I'm in the yeah. middle of it right now. <laughs> yeah. And I think also in addition to, you know, it's a process. I think I myself, I'm also still in it. You know, I'm still stuck in working in corporate America and I really don't want to, but I'm also way too scared still, even having done this show and heard all these stories and being touched by so many people. And, you know, having someone like Jen to look up to who is doing it and has been doing it, it's still scary for me. And I still haven't wanted to take that step. And so for me, the practicality part, piece of advice that I have for you is to pick up passion projects and start doing what you love and following your passions outside of your nine to five until you can build that into some kind of momentum that you can, you know, replace with your nine to five job or whatever it is that you're, you're stuck doing or upholding for your family, because sometimes you have to juggle both at the same time. But like Jen was really emphasizing, it is really important to find that community that you feel safe unpacking this stuff in and constantly going back to for reassurance because there are going to be times where you're like oh my family's right I should just stay here I should just do this this is not this is not as easy as you know I want it to be and so it is really important to find that community you feel safe to to going for that stuff and if you have it you know nowhere else you have it here with us at the Tifa project so yeah just always knows that Yeah. Also think about this way. Why do you think, you know, people go to church every Sunday because during the week they doubt their faith and they got to go back, you know, they got to get that reassurance, right? You know, same thing here. It's like whatever you need to work on, it does require community. And, and that's something I'm sharing as I learn everything I need in life. Like I need to be in community with, I need to find like-minded people, you know? And so if, if you have that guilt, like I'm telling you, if you even just like look at a couple of our shows, there's a ton of people we've interviewed who have felt the same way. So, you know, for starters, you're not alone. And, you know, secondly, it's possible for you to work through that and to continue to work on it and work past that. So, yeah. Anyway, I hope that was helpful. Anyone else? I think Leia has a question. Really? (laughs) I see her hand raised on the little thing. Is that what that means? I think Rena does. I'm sorry, Rena. I was looking at the wrong box. Sorry. (laughs) There we go. Unmuted now. Thanks for the shout out earlier, Jen. <laughs> yes, I think I'm episode like 92 or 93 or something. If anybody yeah, wants to I'll look it up. Out. I'll give you a shout out right now as you talk. It's in the yeah. newsletter, you guys. <laughs> yeah. It's not a question, but I do have a comment about since the theme of today is cultivating and sharing your story. I read a book during like when all of when everything with COVID started. Um, it's called The Courage to be Disliked. And Mm -hmm. it was really helpful for me. So I have, when it comes to making a move or taking a leap, my biggest fear is fear of judgment and fear of criticism. And so this book was really pivotal because people are going to say whatever the F they want about you, you're not going to be for everyone and that's okay. Mm -hmm. And so it does go, the psychology that is in the book it does go a bit into, you know, like you don't need to let your past control you. And that in itself is a lot of, is a whole bunch of exercise. And I'm sure a lot of us will probably have to, or are actively working on. So um, just like, I guess, kind of a trigger warning, if, if that is something that comes um, up a lot for you in, in your life that you've noticed, but it was a really great book for me to just kind of get over 
my fears of, of telling my story or going out for that position or that interview that I wasn't necessarily a hundred percent, you know, 150% qualified for, I was maybe like 95% qualified for and just getting out of your own way and doing it anyway. So, so yeah, just wanted to share and maybe hopefully that will resonate with somebody. Yeah. I really like that. I was just going to say, sometimes you think, you think that you're, you know, only 80% qualified to do something or 75% qualified to do something. And then once you're actually, you know, if you get the actual opportunity to do it and you start actually doing the job, you're like, oh, this is, you know, made for me. I know exactly what I'm doing. This is, you know, I'm, I'm a hundred percent qualified to do that. So I think that's really important to note too, is like the mindset that you have when you approach things like that. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. Here's a fun phrase for all of you. If you, let's say, have the imposter syndrome, you know, or struggle feeling like you're, you know, quote unquote, not enough, which by the way, we all are enough and we all are allowed to take space because here's the truth. You're already taking space. Like you already take, like you are space. Okay. So you might as well own it. So that's just one pep talk there for everyone. Um, I like to, there's a phrase I like to tell myself very often um, that keeps me going. And it, it's very simple. It just said, it just goes, so far, so good. And the whole idea is if you want to pursue something to just go for it and you just focus on going for it and you just focus on working on it. And then every now and then take a moment to look back and be like, so far, so good. No one stopped me. No one told me I'm a fraud. No one told me I'm not good enough. And even if they did, I'm still going like no one is literally stopping me. So, so far, so good. So that's a phrase that I often tell myself and why I've just you know, grown to be very comfortable with failing forward because it's like, even if I fail forward, like no one's stopping me, like no one's stopping you. And I I hope that that can resonate with some of you listening to this because no one is stopping us. I mean, no one stopped us to be on this call, you know, no, no one stopped us to have this conversation. And so let's focus on at least for me, I always focus on the things that I can control. I can, I always focus on the things that are in front of me that I have, you know, that, that I have control of even people that are willing to collaborate with me. Those are people that I focus on, you know, hence what, why Nani and I are big building our community because we want to work with people who have worked with us already or have been on our show. And we want to see what we, we can continue to create out of that because we can, and we should. So we will. Anyway, that's my thoughts on that. Do we have any other questions? Bye Rose. Thanks for supporting. Hi, Rose. (laughs) Have a good rest of your day. Thank Uh, you. I think in also in alignment with Women's History Month, I guess what I want to ask you two is who were your female heroes growing up? I mean, growing up, my sister my baby sister, because she was only five when we lost dad. And it was really interesting. And I was 10. So you could do the math now. She's like 28 or something. But anyway, you know, (laughs) it was interesting. I don't know why I have to mention those little details, but Oh, you know, no, it was, it was interesting watching her grow up because, you know, even though we lived in the same household, we had very different experiences, even though I wasn't like the eldest, I was the eldest daughter. And so my mom treated me a little differently than my sister, kind of her uh, go-to punching bag and scapegoat for a lot of things. Like my sister would stub her toe in another room. And then my mom would be like, why'd you do that? Why'd you do that, Jen? How dare you? You know, I was just like, I was not, I wasn't even in the same room as her. But anyway, that's how my mom treated me. Uh, However, she treated my sister in a very precious, delicate, loving way. In all honesty, I was glad because of all the things that my brother and I went through. It was so inspiring to see someone like my sister that 
that, that didn't have the same traumas that we had. And it inspired me to continue to, to do my best, to be the best version of myself in hopes that if she does look at me, you know, she, she could be like, oh, like if Jen can do that, I could do that too. Like I'm limitless. And, you know, out of all of our siblings, like she's the one who's traveled the world. I mean, she currently lives in New York. And she's just amazing, you know, so, and she was also my reason for continuing on with life. It was really difficult growing up and I could have easily had fallen victim to the things that I went through with my family, but she kept me strong. So for me, when I think about a role model growing up, I think about my sister, my baby sister, Nani. (laughs) Oh yeah. My turn. Sorry. (laughs) I was just soaking that in. I was lucky and blessed and privileged enough to grow up, like I said, with a huge family. And so I had actually a lot of females that I looked up to and that kind of were able to be there to guide me throughout my life. My mom, of course, was one of them. My grandma was like a second mom to me. She was you know, really heavily involved in my life and my upbringing and has really influenced, I feel like, how I am today. And then on top of that, my Auntie Sarah, who the Tifa Project has not met yet, but hopefully one day you will, she was probably the person that I looked up to most and who, like, growing up as a little girl, I just wanted to be like her. And I still can't really put my finger on what it is. She's just one of those people that, you know, when you're around her, everything feels safe. Everything feels okay. She's just like a ball of positive energy that makes you smile and laugh all the time. And at the same time, I saw her go through some, you know, a lot of abusive dynamics with the rest of my family, similar to how Jen was describing her relationships with her closest family. I saw her be treated like that by a lot of people in our family. And so I always looked to her when I was going through things like, you know, how did you make it through? And with such like vigor and she's just so unapologetic. And, you know, again, it's hard for me to like articulate what's so admirable about her. But if you were to meet her, obviously it it shines through. And another woman that I really looked up to that has really helped me throughout my like older years is my best friend, Fufi who you guys met in our Panais on Politics episode, if you listen to that. Her name is actually not Foofy. That's just what I call her. Her name is Caitlin. But she has been like another big sister to me, even though she's younger than me. (laughs) And someone who has just guided me through a lot and been there to be that reassurance for me when I needed to step outside of my, my own family and find my own way. And I just have always been the type of person to like question myself or feel insecure about the decisions that I have to make on my own without my family's guidance. And so she's always been been kind of like my rock and my support system in reassuring me that I'm doing the right thing or that I'm following my heart or that I'm doing something for the right reasons. And that's all that matters. So she really keeps me in check, I guess you could say. And I'm grateful to her for that. And I hope that I can do the same for her and our other friends. And then lastly, but not least, my Ate Jen, who's here, who you've all heard talking because she's just been such an inspiration and she has really like changed my life, you know, not just through the work that we do here on the podcast, but you know, the growth that we've had in our bond off air as well. I've just, I have a lot of step siblings because my dad likes to get married a lot, but I don't have anyone who I really feel like is a big sister to me in the way that Jen has been and someone who I really just feel 
so safe around. So yeah, I'm grateful to you and happy Women's History Month. It's <laughs> naughty. Wow. That's a lot of follow up on, but I love you. <laughs> I love you too. And thank you for that shout out. <laughs> yes, of course. I think it's safe to say where would we be without women? I'm just going to say that right now. <laughs> and then I think unless anyone has any other questions, I have one last question for the two of you. And that's in terms of cultivating your story, telling your story for everyone here today, what do you hope everyone walks away from this with? Hmm. Why well, I can go first with that. I want you to tell your story. And I know that came off really aggressive, but you need to tell your story. <laughs> and here's why. <laughs> you can save someone's life telling your story. You could. You could literally save someone's life. A lot of us have gone through a lot this year, you know, and in 2020. So, you know, there's that. And it's very, 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 very easy to feel isolated right now. And I shared a lot of that at the beginning of our conversation of just how isolating it feels for me to be new, like fairly new in the East Coast and still trying to, you know, feel grounded. But you need to tell your story because it could help people. Most of all, it could help yourself. You know, I think we all are driven by the story we tell ourselves or the story we automatically tell ourselves that we don't know that we're telling ourselves, you know, or we could be, you know, motivated by a story someone else has inputted in us that we're not acknowledging, you know, like for a long time, you know, even though I've been in business for a decade, like, you know, there was still that feeling of like, oh, but I don't work in the government. Like my mom, you know, she just celebrated 30 years, you know, like for a long time, I was carrying like my mom's story of what she wanted of me. Right. And so tell your story and you don't have to tell it publicly. I know that a lot of people we've had, you know, just like with Nani, like part of how she came on the show was she didn't want to share her story right away. She wanted to help other people share her story. But I think in doing that, Nani was able to find, you know, tell her story and all in all of that, you know, she found that motivation. But if you're looking for like kind of ways to tell your story, I mean, I'll, I'll share this in the chat. One thing I like to do is I like to record my voice. So there's a really cool app I love using. And one of my pen pals here, we use it together. So I'm not going to mention her name because I want to keep her private, but it's called otter.ai. And it's a great way to not just record your voice, but it's a free app where it transcribes for you for free. It's like AI generated. So you have about like 500 minutes a month or something to, to use. I pay, I pay for it just because I, I use it a lot, but just start talking to yourself. I mean, I know it sounds really weird, but just start talking to yourself. And, and Otter is a great platform to do that. Like lock yourself in a closet if you're afraid of other people hearing you because everyone's stuck at home and just talk you know, and at first it's going to feel really weird. You'd be like, okay, this is my voice. Like this sounds, this is really weird. <laughs> Jen told me to do this. It's so awkward. Damn you, Jen, you know, but you'll get that out of the way. And before you know it, you're going to find yourself feeling more comfortable doing that. And I encourage you to use that app because like I said, it's free. It's awesome. And plus you get a, like, if you are someone that likes to journal, you can copy all the text in there and, you know, put it in your digital journal. If you have a journal, I've been using a journal since the Zanga days. I don't know if anyone's ever been on Zanga, but that's my jam. Um, I never got into live journal. It just, that was a competitor. We we're like, we're not going there, but uh, Zanga was my jam. <laughs> and yeah, so Otter is a great way to do it and, and just tell it. And when you feel safe, you know, if you find someone that makes you feel safe, share your story with them. And you don't have to tell a whole novel. You can just tell a little story. It could even be as simple as how you were feeling this week and why, you know, it's like, Hey, this is what happened today. And let me unpack why I was feeling this way. 
but just do it. I mean, I feel like there's so many more reasons, but I'll leave it to Nani too, to, you know, kind of encourage, like, what are your thoughts on storytelling and why you should do it? (laughs) Yeah, no, I think that first suggestion would be to listen to the show if you haven't already and, you know, just get inspired by the people who have been brave enough to come on and share their stories on a public platform, like a podcast. But if not, you know, the voice notes in your iPhone or Otter AI, it can be as simple as just journaling. And you can start with just putting down what you're grateful for, which is how I started journaling, you know, just listing out three or five things or whatever that you're grateful for that day. And that will turn into, you know, it will just get you thinking and get your wheels turning um, to in order to like find your authentic narrative. And then once you find it through talking to yourself, whether it just be in your head, on paper, in voice notes, recording on a podcast, whatever, um, then it becomes about owning your story and really being unapologetic about what it is you have to say and how you feel and what your perspective is on the world. And so I think the more courage you can find to share that with people, regardless of how you think that they're going to perceive you or interpret your story, the more therapeutic of an experience it is for you. And that's what's really important is that healing and unpacking and decolonization, you know, not the effect that your story has on anybody else. It's really, you know, we do this for you and for your healing. Yeah. And to add upon that, you know, the only person that's going to care about you the most is yourself. Mm -hmm. You know, storytelling is a form of self-love, like telling your, telling your story is a form of self-love and, and it matters because when you matter, when you know inherently that you matter, it causes a ripple effect in your relationships. You know, you encourage other people to love themselves and share their story and focus on their own, like owning their own personal narrative rather than waiting for someone else to give it to them. You know, I, I think I think it's very easy to look outward. And I know for a lot of us, especially, especially as uh, Filipino women, we've been conditioned to care about everyone else's stories, but ours. And what we're doing on the show is declaring that your story matters too. In fact, you need to tell your story. It's your responsibility to tell your story because, you know, yes, everyone else's stories are important, but I like you will surprise yourself and everyone you love by sharing your story and the power when you actually contribute with your story as well. Remember, this is not about asking to take up space. You're already taking space. So own it and see how that really truly benefits other people because it will you know if i didn't think that my story mattered we wouldn't be having this conversation today we wouldn't you know because i've come to a place where i realize it's become a responsibility for you know asian women you know tend women like myself to show up like i have to show up because i realize there's not a lot of people that look like me but i know that when people that look like me see me and they reach out, it's like, man, we need more of this. We need to encourage more of us to do this. So just know that there's just so many, so many, so many benefits to, you know, sharing your story. And if you need more ideas, you're always welcome to reach out to Nani and I. We're pretty responsive via email more so nowadays. Instagram, on my personal Instagram, I'm pretty responsive on there, but we haven't really been active on our professional Instagram. But yeah, I don't know. It's it's important. I wish I can give you like a million more examples, but I feel like it's it's imperative. Like it's it's storytelling. You can't tell a story without telling it to someone. It's a way of connection. Like if you feel lonely, like just think about like, you know, like has it ever upset you when someone that you could have helped 
didn't ask for your help. Like, have you ever said, you're like, man, why didn't you just ask me for help? You ever have those situations? Mm-hmm. It's like, we'll do the same for yourself. You know, it's like, like, imagine the people that want to help you, you know, and part of that is being honest and being open with who you are and what you're going through and telling your story. <laughs> so anyway, anything else, Nani? No, I was just going to add that there's really not a way to understand the impact that telling your story can have and how healing and therapeutic it can be until you actually do it. And again, in whatever form you feel most comfortable doing it, again, it's just, it's hard for me to try and get across, I think in words, what that impact feels like until you actually experience it for yourself. And so um, take a leap of faith, you know? Yeah. And remember, you know, no one's holding you back. And because no one's holding you back other than yourself, you have to show up because you can. And so you will, you know, you just do it, like just show up because you can, no one's holding you back. And now I'm just a broken record at this point, but it's true. It's true. Like the only person holding you back at this point is yourself. And if you need to unpack that, you know, whatever voices you're telling in your head, you know, just feel free to reach out, reach out to us. You know, Nani and I love, you know, sharing these struggles together. And I think that sometimes we need permission through, you know, people that look like us. Right. And so if you need that permission, if you're still looking for that permission, you know, seek it from the right people that make you feel safe, you know, to ask that permission from, and if it's from Nani and I or not, you know, for very intimidating, which I hope we're not, you know, like, I don't like, I don't think we are, but if we are, you know, find someone that you feel safe enough to ask for that permission say, Hey, like, I really want to do this, but I'm really nervous. And I just need someone to tell me that I can do this. And sometimes that's all you need as well. I don't know about anybody else in here, but I feel like either went to church or probably like the best therapy session I've had in the longest time. So thank you. <laughs> oh, you're welcome. We're not licensed, by the way, just so you all know. That's what that's like a therapy session. <laughs> Good thing we recorded it. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, Nani and Jen, thank you so much for this on behalf of all of us, on behalf of Unipro, on behalf of so many Filipino American women. Thank you. And before we close, I'd love to throw it to Vanessa to tell everybody what we got coming up next. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for coming through to this workshop. Thank you again to Jen and Nani so much. I loved everything that you were saying. I felt like I could just throw myself back with like my nodding. I was just like, yes. (laughs) (laughs) But we have a lot of events coming up in the pipeline for Unipro. This month, we have a women leadership panel coming up at the end of the month. So stay tuned for that event, right? And definitely check out our website for any other information on that or any of our social media channels. We're also in the process of working on uh, next month. It's going to be like a big media and design month. So we have that coming up. And at the same time too, we're collaborating with so many other different people and groups. So don't be surprised if we reach out to you. Like, honestly, like Rena, I actually recognized your name because I think your sister, your brother is Chris and he just spoke at one of our workshops. And then <laughs> Romy Planilo also recommended you for one of our workshops. And she was just wow. at another workshop. Okay. So it was just so funny because I recognized your name. I was like, I wonder if this is the same person. So, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we have so many other things coming up in the pipeline. So definitely stay tuned. But yeah, thank you again so much, everyone, for attending. And we hope to see you all again soon. And yeah, have a good day, guys. Thanks, everyone. Yes, have a great thank weekend. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. So fun. Have a good weekend, you guys.